0: This is the Fail Fast Podcast, stories of entrepreneurs who looked at failure in the eyes and didn't give up with your host, the online sales master, Quinn Amorum. Welcome to the show, my friends. With the Masters of Business Administration, today's guest has extensive experience in the -the behind-the-scenes tactics of startup growth, acquisitions, and divestments ranging from small companies to billion-dollar companies she provides clients with key strategic insights while helping them develop plans to execute on their visions profitably uh, she is also a commercial real estate investor and has owned two companies we have with us today jennifer peak how's it going jennifer good how are you very good very good so jennifer uh i know that anyone that gets a masters of business administration needed to have already a passion for business or or some sort of love for it. Is that your case? Or if it is, where did it come from?
1: Yeah, it's definitely true with me. Um, And in fact, I got my undergrad and then was in the workforce for over five years before I went back and got my master's. So, um, and in that five years, I worked in a job, a career, that allowed me to see a lot of different types of companies, big companies, publicly traded companies, small family-owned companies, and really just um, enjoyed all of the behind the scenes parts of that and the puzzle and the figuring it out, as well as all of the different services and products that those companies were able to provide. So I just found the whole thing intriguing.
0: Very good. And now you help other companies, not just your own, but you help companies grow for one for just for growth and other one is also for exit strategies, correct?
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: So if if i 'm not planning on selling the business, should I really matter what the value of the business is Should I, should I care
1: um so I think a couple of things on that I, you know everybody has their own opinion, but here's mine um, Number one, I think that you always want to have options as a business owner. Mm-hmm. And if you are making decisions that are in alignment with growing the value of your company or even just understanding what the value drivers of your company are, then you have more options. Um, It can be something as simple as, should we move to a new space? Um, Or should we add this other product? Should we discontinue a line of service? Um, You know, it could be some of those more day-to-day decisions, if you will. Um versus the bigger decision of do i sell my company do i do a massive expansion where i have to go get a loan or investors or you know knowing the value of your company applies to all of those different variables um so it it's a nice way it's an it's a it's an easy lens to look through and it's one that's applicable sort of regardless of the type of decision that you're making
0: okay nice and what what are some of the things that you see with your experience that are actually limiting the growth of most businesses there's something that stands out?
1: Yeah, so one of the one of the most common things um, is that business owners are very attuned to what they're paying in taxes. Mm. so they do a lot of things to minimize their profitability and their income so that they can minimize their taxes. Mm. And some of those things are um, adjustable. Um, So like if I was looking at valuing a company and I can see that the owner is giving themselves a large annual bonus, I can normalize for that. If, however, I see that they're not, that they don't have great profit margins or they're overpaying their staff or they're in a space that's twice as big as it needs to be, you know, those are things that are inherent to the business that you can't immediately get rid of. Um, So that's one of the big things that happens with business owners is they get so focused on minimizing their taxes that they sort of hamstring themselves from having these other options. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, you want to have, even if it's just profit that you can reinvest in the business so that if some great opportunity came along to launch a new product, you could do that.
0: As a business owner, am I allowed to pay myself as much as I want, or are there uh, limits?
1: You're allowed to pay yourself as much as your company can afford to pay you. Um, there, there aren't really any, um, let me say it this way, there aren't maybe the overarching limits that are applicable to every business owner. What, but what you will find is that depending upon the type of corporate structure that you have, Um, if you have any debt, like if you took out, if you bought a business and -hmm. you took out a loan to buy the business, um, there might be something in the loan documents that limits you on how much you can pay yourself. Um, so those are the, those are the two big parameters, um, around what business owners can pay themselves. Assuming you can afford to pay yourself whatever you want. Of course, that's the first one. Can you afford it?
0: How about what the state of the business or where it's incorporated, does that make a big difference when it comes to sell? Because I've heard that Delaware would be a good place, then I heard the opposite, that it wouldn't be a good pay- place. So does the state really matter when it comes to business valuation?
1: Um, so I'm not a tax expert and that's certainly a tax question. What I will say is that the, the state matters the type of corporation or entity that you've set up also matters. Um, I know a number of states, like the the two that I'm the closest to here in Kansas City, um, have done things to stimulate small business growth. So they have certain incentives around setting up like an LLC versus a C corporation. So there, there are definite ramifications to that.
0: Okay. And then I know when it comes to getting outside investment, mm-hmm. uh, they prefer if there's more than one founder. But when it comes to selling a business, is that a good thing or a bad thing having more than one?
1: Um, the the of course the answer is it depends. Um, <laughs> but but here's why it depends. So um, we, we talked about when we were talking about value a minute ago and some of the the. The big elements to it, and I mentioned the profitability. One of the other big elements to it is how many significant roles is the owner playing? So, if the owner is the primary and/or only salesperson, that's that's an issue, and the and investors are going to care about that. Yes. Um. And and somebody buying your business is going to care about that because if the primary salesperson just walked out the door. Where are the sales going to come from? Um, so, and the and it can apply to other roles as well. Generally, where we see the biggest issue is when you've got a solo business owner who's the face of the business and is the primary revenue generator. And so that that's where it would come into play.
0: That's when the business owner does all positions in the company.
1: Yeah, (laughs) or the most important positions in the company. If they're sweeping the floors, that's probably not that big of a deal.
0: Yes, yeah, true enough. So that actually may be one of the growth-limiting things is if if one of the owners decides that uh, they are the one that should be managing that company or running the company. Uh, Sometimes we could see that ourselves as being a good manager, but in reality, we could. Be the opposite, and it, that may be in my opinion, I think that's one of the things that limits growth. Uh, do you see that happen when somebody b- believes they are the best?
1: Oh, absolutely um, you know we none of us can see our own blind spots hmm. right by definition um, and it I, I think it's worse I hate to use that word, but I think it's worse if you've got a founder versus maybe somebody that bought a company. So, you know, I think if you are the founder and you have started it up from nothing and you've grown it to what it is now, um, of course you believe that you can do everything the best because look, it started with nothing and now you have this company. Whereas if you buy a company, you've inherited some sort of structure that came to be without you. Um, so there's, there's some differences there. Um, the, the reality of it is though that business owners, truly are contributing to the value of their company in some way. Um, And having an outside view of that can help them see where they've got some challenges or issues. The other thing that's generally true of the smaller companies is the business owner doesn't have anybody inside that company that they can really rely on and bounce ideas off of, right? Because they're it, they're the, they're the, the big cheese, if you will. Um, and it, so that's where I think business owners can benefit from some sort of an outside advisory board or membership group or something, um, where they can get a different context and view into their company.
0: Very good. And is there any, any areas that business owners should focus on more, uh, to gain value? Some like the low hanging fruit.
1: Um, the the biggest low-hanging fruit that I see is really in the gross margin side, right? So it's the revenue and what does it cost to deliver that revenue. Um, lots of people don't want to focus there. They want to focus on just fixed operating expenses. How can I get my utility bill down? Do I really need to pay that person a full-time salary? You know, just different things like that. And really a lot of those things can be addressed by just making sure that you have sufficient revenue and that it's sufficiently profitable. Um, But I think business owners get into a mindset that some of those things are more automatic and that just is what it is. And we need to, it's easier to take action on cutting a utility bill or turning off somebody's cell phone than it is to address a revenue problem. That's the other, the other side of it.
0: Exactly. It's the instant uh, because cutting somebody's cell phone, it can be done instantly That's and right. Any anything else uh, takes more effort than that. And just click yes. the button. Yeah. Yes. So are there different types of profitability?
1: Yes. So, you know, there's, there's profitability at the gross margin level. And Thanks. what I mean by gross margin is revenue minus the direct cost to Either make the product or deliver the service, Mm -hmm. Um, and then then there are the other expenses that get you down to net profitability. Um, So you know, I I think you hear a lot about net profit. Um, You don't necessarily hear a lot about gross profit, and it certainly varies by industry. But but at a high level, those are the two things. Underneath of that, you also have like product profitability, um, lines of business profitability. So let's say that you offered three different services. You could have profitability for each one of those services. Um, And if one service leads into another service, you just really want that first service to pay for itself and you could make up some of your profit in that secondary service. So there are different, and it's important to understand what that looks like because if you decide to grow the one that's not making any money, that's not really gonna help you. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, the gross profitability is it the one that is most used when you wanna inflate your numbers, when you wanna show bigger numbers, an extra comma or something, you show the growth? Yeah,
1: usually. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So, uh, let's get into cash flow. That's something right. that a lot of business owners do not know. When they get into business, and I know because uh, that happened to me in one of the, most of my businesses are online, but there was one physical business that suffered a lot from cash flow issues. And I mean, I guess that that is a problem for anybody that gets into business. And the common idea is that when, if you're making a hundred grand a month, you, you figure that when you make a million, cash flow problems are going to go away. And what I can see is that they don't go away. They just change size. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that somewhat true? Did, did I, they that, ever go?
1: Well, let me say that's completely true. It's not just somewhat true. It's completely true. Okay. Um, you know, the nature of them might change a little bit when you make a hundred thousand dollars versus a million dollars. Maybe you don't have employees in the lower revenue scenario and you do in the second scenario. Mm-hmm um kind of depends on your business as well but you know the the thing about cash flow right timing creates a lot of cash flow problems um and you may not have a true business model issue as much as you have a timing issue except it's still an issue um and what i mean by that the most common one is like payroll um payroll is going to have to be paid weekly or every other week no matter what happens. Um, and if your customers aren't paying you on the same time frame that you need to pay payroll, now you have a gap. Um, and I think that catches, I think what some people don't understand when they go into business is that shockingly, not everyone pays on time. And, and so you're relying on, well, the invoice was due tomorrow and it's not here right? Or it was due yesterday and it's not here. And you call them and they're like, yeah, we think we're probably going to pay that in the next week or so. You know, and you'd, you'd made plans based on when you thought people were going to pay for your customers, your clients, and you have no control over that. Mm -hmm. The only thing you have control over as a business owner truly is from a cash flow perspective is what is going out the door. Yes. Um, so yeah, but it, to your point, it just the nature of the cash flow management challenges changes, it doesn't go away.
0: And now let's have a quick break to hear about our sponsor. Are you looking to save money when you're shopping or start a business so you can earn an active or passive income stream? We can help. Our videos have information to help you save time, save money and grow your income. To learn all this for free, visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash compare TV worldwide. YouTube channel, again, is youtube.com forward slash compare TV worldwide. Here, you check out all the best videos to grow your income, save time, and save money. And now, let's get back to the show. And is there any time uh, in business that growth is not a good idea?
1: Yes. There are multiple times in business. Um, the, and said differently, there are several things that you want to make sure you have in place before you really go on a growth spurt. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly one of those is having what I'll call your infrastructure really solid. It doesn't have to be perfect. Um, but you kind of want to make sure you're not just making it up as you go along. Right. So having some processes, and systems in place. Um, The the other one is you really growth takes money. So you really want to make sure you have some sort of a reserve before you start down the growth path. Um, The the other the third thing that I would say that I think is important is you need to understand as a business owner what that growth success or failure looks like. So that if you start growing and it's not working the way that you thought it would, you know that you need to pivot and adjust as opposed to just stepping on the gas harder.
0: Mm -hmm. So it's, I guess it's almost like it doesn't matter the size of the business. If it's big or small, you still need to test to see Mm -hmm. if all the changes you did are working. And if not, you revert back (laughs) and try again.
1: Yeah, and the other thing that you'll find out when you actually start growing and putting plans in place is there's always unintended consequences. So, But one of those unintended consequences may be that your customer stopped buying one of your other products or services when they started buying the second one. So if you as a business owner think it's going to be 100% additive and it turns out that it's not, then that's something that you want to be aware of.
0: Okay. And how about uh, the top things that business owners should uh, evaluate before growing and expanding?
1: Um, I, I do have a list. I know that's surprising. Um, so a couple of them I just touched on, which is, do I have scalable systems? The way that I like to ask that question is, if my business tripled, what's the first thing that's going to break? Mm. Right. Nice. Is it going to be delivery? Is it going to be me as the CEO? That's the first thing that's going to break. Is going to be me. Yeah. Um, is it going to be our our ordering system? Is it going to be the fact that we can't bill everybody that quickly? Um, you know what? What's the first thing that's going to break? And then when you fix that, ask the question again. So that's I think an easy way to think about it. Um, the other thing that I think you have to be really aware of whether, and and let's just say that you've got a team, I don't care whether they're your employees or contractors or freelancers or what it is. Um, and you have to be critical of yourself as well. And that is if the business tripled, would that still be the right team to have in place? You know, it's possible for a company to outgrow the team that has built it to the level that it's at. Um, And so, you know, you, you, and and it, you may need to add positions. Maybe you need to add a manager, right? Maybe you need to add a quality control person. Um, But those are some of the, those are, those are the two big areas is, and and I think as business owners, we have a loyalty to our customers and to the people that work with us and for us. Um, And sometimes we, don't see the things that we need to see because, and, and, it's, and I would call it outgrowing, right? I've outgrown this customer. I've outgrown this employee. Um, and really being honest with yourself about what some of those indications are is important. And doing that before you get in the middle of a situation helps you be as objective about the situation as possible.
0: So be aware of outgrowing customers. And, and I guess in other terms are the ones that did help us reach where we were. That's right. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So in, in that situation, do you mean to replace the team or add to the team?
1: Um, I think it depends, it depends on yeah. it, it. I mean, so sometimes it can simply be adding to the team. So the easiest example is you you as the business owner were able to supervise five employees, but when it's 15 employees, you can't have them all reporting to you. Mm -hmm. So you need to put some sort of a manager in place. Like that's, that is the most likely easiest example. Um, And usually that's what we see. There are occasions where you have somebody doing a a job. um, And this is usually more in what I will call the administrative functions. Um, you've had somebody doing a job and when HR is a really good example, right? When it was just, we had five people, we processed payroll, we didn't have any turnover and nobody ever got hurt. It was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you get to a certain number of employees, you probably, that person probably can't perform that HR function anymore. Um, and, and that it could be, that part of their position goes away and you hire somebody new, but that first person still works for your company at a different capacity. Um, Usually it's something like that where you've had a person, an employee wearing a lot of hats and now you need somebody who's more of an expert in that role.
0: Gotcha. So how about for peak advisory group when you are, you are outgrowing businesses for other people, uh, do you still have time to focus on growing your own?
1: <laughs> there's never enough time to grow your own business <laughs> when you're working with other people. Um, yes, we do. Um, so I create, I, and, and I think there's a couple of things. Um, certainly it's, it's, it's interviews and conversations like this. Um, but we get a lot of our business from a referral network that I spent several years building. So even when I am on this podcast or when I'm working with another client, we have investment bankers, attorneys, um, and, and, and other referral partners that refer business into us. And because I spent a lot of time cultivating those relationships, I have sort of this invisible sales force out there, um, as well. And I, you know, I think depending upon the type of business you have looking for those opportunities, to where it's not always I got to have a conversation one on one to get somebody to buy the thing is important.
0: And those those third party referrals that you mentioned are are always the best in my, my personal opinion. When there's somebody else that's telling uh, a third party how great we are, it's it's seen. I mean, it's it's easier to absorb that uh, that we are good, right? So yes. if, so yeah. Uh,
1: And for me, I know in my experience, it really shortens that sales cycle. You're like, okay, we just need to have a 15 minute conversation, and off we go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I know that I have one of my clients that is uh, a a really good client and has been for a long time. Uh, I love them, and uh, they love the services that we provide to. And often, and I, I mean it often, there's new companies that approach me, and they tell me that they came referred from, from that client. And it's, it's always great to get that tap in the back. and say, Yeah, hey, it hey, really hey. is. Yeah. Fantastic. So uh, peak advisory group, you, what you do is you help people grow their businesses uh, just for growth. And also if they were preparing for an exit, uh, is there any other services you provide?
1: Um, it, it nearly everything we do falls under the umbrella of those two things. Um, more specifically the services we provide underneath of that are business valuations. Um, we do forms of financial due diligence. Um, Mm -hmm. and and that could even just be, you know, we've done projects where, right, where a business center is like, we're growing like crazy and I can't make payroll. Where is all the money? Mm -hmm. So, we do projects to find the money. Um, and uh, I'm not going to say never do we find there's always the chance that something bad is happening, like actual criminal. That's generally not the case. Um, but so we do that. And then we also help write if somebody is seeking investment, whether that's from a traditional bank or an investor, we also help write those pitch decks. Um, and for some of our clients, on a longer-term basis, we'll also act as like an outsource controller or CFO. Um, generally, we do that on a limited-term basis while we get everything figured out for them and set up and structured, and then we help them hire the right long-term employee.
0: Very good. And you mentioned that you also help write uh, the pitch decks if a company is seeking investment. Mm -hmm. Over the last few years, I'm I'm guessing there's been so many changes when it comes to business growth velocity because of the online world. I remember a few years ago, if you wanted investment, you needed to have two years of bank statements and uh, business corporation. And now there are certain businesses that could be less than a year old and they're generating insane amount of volume. Uh, the, the, those two years of bank statements, is that a thing of the past or are they still required? Uh, what are the things that are changing?
1: So I think if you're seeking private investment and by that, I mean not a traditional lender, right? So not the bank on the corner. Um, those investors are much more interested in your business model. And your, let's call it burn rate, right? Yes. Um, so they're they're much more interested in those things. And while in general they would like you to reconcile your bank account, they're not going to require that you show twenty four months worth of deposit at a certain level because that's not what they're investing in. Um, you know, they're investing in the company, the idea, the momentum. Um, the opportunity that the company has grabbed in the marketplace, Mm -hmm. right? So they're much more investing in that. And and to be honest, they're investing in their exit from that company. So they, they are also generally interested in how are you going to get me out? Right. When is the company going to generate enough cash to buy me out so I can move on to my next investment? Um, a traditional lender, yeah, they're going to want all the things, all the paperwork, the tax returns, the bank statements, the, all of the stuff that isn't, you know, no matter how much they may or may not believe in your idea, my experience is that banks are much more about compliance and less about your great business idea.
0: Absolutely agree with that. So where, Jennifer, where can people find out more about you and about the uh, peak advisory group?
1: Sure. So our website is peakadvisory.com and it's P-E-E-K. On there, you'll find, uh, if you scroll down a little bit on the homepage, we have a free quiz that will give um, business owners some value insights into their company. It's a really quick quiz. You get a 19-page report at the end of it. It doesn't give you a dollar value, but it looks at all of those areas of your company Um, and has some action items and things like that, that you'll, you can take away. Um, and, and the shortcut to it is businessvaluequiz.com. Um, and of course we're on Instagram and LinkedIn and all the usual suspects.
0: All right. Business value quiz. And I'll have all these on the show notes to help people go directly and find you. So I'll have also your LinkedIn Instagram, uh, anything you can think of uh, a out on the show notes. Jennifer, thank you so much for your time. It was uh, was a pleasure having you here. This is very informative, and um, I know for sure it's helped uh, many of the people that are listening. So thank you very much.
1: It was a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thanks for subscribing to Fail Fast Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and visit failfastpodcast.com for show notes, Quinn's social media, or even to tell us your story.